change around my team, yeah, we off the leash. You could look us in the eyes and see we have peace. Black and gold, that's the colors when we go to war. When we step up on that field, you go hear my roar. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. We them tiger cats, we them, we them tiger cats. Yeah, nobody hitting harder. Better keep your guard up, cause with everything we drop, we can score it when we wanna. Welcome to Podskiwiwi. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Normally, Mike, you and I like to start the show with a little silliness. Um, I actually had a plan for us to talk about. I don't know if you saw it, but a fan posted some mock-up jerseys on Twitter. That was going to be our open today. We're going to have a good time talking about some some fan-made jerseys. But I feel like we need to discuss the CBA stuff right off the hop because there's just so much going on. So I'm going to try to outline the timeline here. If I get anything wrong, please correct me, but I think I've got this narrowed down. So last Wednesday night, the League and the Players Association came to terms on a new seven-year CBA. There was a memorandum of understanding that was signed that ended the strike that had stopped seven of the nine teams from being able to open training camp on time. Those teams ended up starting camp on Thursday. So we all thought everything was hunky-dory. This was it. We, we had a new CBA. Everything was good. And then word started leaking on Monday that maybe the deal wouldn't get ratified and then that's exactly what happened. Monday night, we found out the players did not vote in favor of this deal. So then that led to speculation as to why. And it seems most of it is about sticking points around the ratio and a lack of a ratification bonus. So then the league sends a new deal to the players that includes a ratification bonus, eliminates that weird 49% rule that you and I are going to talk about more in depth in a little while, but also reduced the number of starting Canadians from seven players to six. Am I? Do I have this right so far? Is this, this is what you've been able to figure out as yeah. well? Yeah, okay. I think you got, it. you got it good. Okay, so then, as far as I understand, the PA leadership never sent that deal to the players because there was a belief that any deal that included a reduction in the number of starting Canadians was never going to get ratified. So then it was, what, maybe two hours ago? Uh, our friend, my Three Down Nation colleague, John Hodge, broke the news that the two sides had reached a tentative agreement and that the players would be would be voting on this deal imminently. We heard who was a Dan Barnes from Canadian press that the vote yep. should be done by what? Nine around nine o'clock tonight. Yeah. Nine Eastern. Yep. Yeah. So we're recording this at about six fifteen Eastern time. So unfortunately we're going to put this episode out and then a lot of the stuff we talk about maybe, well, we're not really talking about the deal itself, so we're not going to, but maybe, you know, us doing an episode is what's going to push this deal over the, over the top, mm-hmm. right? Because we do the show and then good things happen. We've seen player signings, things like this. So maybe that's what's going to happen. So this new deal, from what I understand, keeps the number of Canadian starters at seven, but bring back brings back that 49 rule and included a larger ratification bonus than the one that came out that was with the previous deal. So as I said, as of recording, we have no word on if the deal has been accepted, but we should find out a few hours from now. Um, and for the one of the first times in show history, Mike and I both have our Twitter accounts open on the chance that something pops up and we get some breaking news and we can we can talk about it here. Um, oh, the other thing is, and I think this is the last point here, uh, the league set a midnight deadline tonight 
for the deal to be accepted. So I think that covers everything. Did I miss anything? Is there anything that you can recall that I didn't cover in that little start there? No, I think that's pretty much it. But the only concern I have about this new deal is that I think that it, as it progresses, um, the ratio shrinks. So it can be, you know, six and one and then five and two and then like four and three. So yeah. there'll be four yeah. actual Canadians and three designated nationals or whatever they call it, um, which worries me, right? Because um, the Canadians don't want anything to do with uh, a reduced ratio. So, um, you know, I hope it passes, but I have my concerns about this one not getting passed as well. So my question to you is going to be, how is your heart held up during all this? But you seem like you're kind of still on the edge right now. I'm a little bit worried, uh, but, you know, I'm okay. It's, it's, it is what it is. I get it. Um, you know, the players want a fair deal and I completely understand that. And, the and the league wants a deal that can uh, move them forward, uh, financially. So listen, I, I, I can see both sides to it. I know that on Twitter and on social media, it's, it's really, you know, people want the players to, to, to win this. Right. Um, and I think that the first deal was really good for the Americans was stuff like, uh, you know, health insurance after the career is done, which is a big deal to Americans, not so much a big deal to Canadians, right? Because socialized health. We, we have free health care up here. So if you get hurt, you're not worried about paying medical bills anyway. Exactly. So um, listen, I think that I'm hoping this gets passed and I'm hoping that there's not uh, a big split between, you know, Canadians and Americans in the locker rooms because there's been a lot of nasty stuff said, you know, from the Canadian side and the American side. So this has been kind of ugly, but I'm looking forward to uh, agreement being done, you know, later tonight. Yeah. I, I hope it's another five to seven year deal just because then we can put this, like there's a good chance that you and I might end the show before we ever have to talk about a CBA negotiation again. Like how many times, I think, I think in the history of the show, I think we've talked about, We've talked about at least two and maybe three different CBAs that have been signed. Like, it'll be nice to not have to talk about labor laws and strikes and all all that other sorts of stuff. This did feel like, and I I brought up, I think, on the last episode or one of the previous episodes, this is the most united the players have ever been. And I do think that maybe COVID and, and the year without the game had something to do with that. I'm a little more optimistic than you are. I feel like from what I've read this deal was unanimously supported by not just the bargaining committee, but the player reps. And I think if I remember correctly, there were some player reps. Uh, I think Chris Ackie's a player rep for Montreal. I think Antoine Pruneau is a player rep for Ottawa who didn't support the last deal. So if this one has received, and I can't remember who sent out the tweet, I think, I think it was Dan Barnes of the Canadian press who sent out the tweet that said that this was, it could have been Haji. It could have been Naylor. It could have been Farhan. There's a lot of people who are on this, right? One of them sent out a tweet that said that it was unanimously like agreed to by both the bargaining committee and the player rep. So when that happens, I think there tends to be more of a optimistic turn to this where I think this might pass and we'll actually just get to talk about football and only football from now on. Yeah. And another <clears throat> another uh, factor in this is, you know, apparently 30 to 35 percent of the players didn't vote on the last one. Which is so, ridiculous, right? Like, I don't yeah. know about you, but if I'm if it's something's involving my money and I get mm-hmm. a say in it, I'm making yeah. my voice heard. Well, it's interesting. Like, and rookies don't get a vote, right? Like, no, they wouldn't because no, they're not. They player, haven't made a team yet, so they, they have yeah. not. They have not gotten a paycheck, nor have they paid union dues. So no, they don't count. Right. Maybe this time around, we'll get some more voters out, and uh, we can get this thing passed. 
yeah, fingers crossed. We'll know in, uh, hopefully we'll know in about three hours or so, which will be right around the time that I've edited and posted the show. So if this comes through, you can thank us once again. Uh, yep. Okay, moving on. Uh, before we kind of get into the Ticats of it, there are a couple of things I'd like to talk about regarding this. <clears throat> and the 49% rule is one that I really think that we have to discuss because I've got to be honest with you here. I think this is one of the dumbest, most convoluted and unnecessary rule changes that I've ever seen in any sport. Like, how the hell do they even hope to enforce this thing? I, I just, I don't get it, man. What was your initial reaction when you heard about this rule? Yeah, I think it's it's dumb. Uh, you know, if you're going to reduce it, just make it six and one or whatever. Don't make it five and a half because that's basically what it is, right? So, yep. uh, yeah, I, I, I don't like it because it's complicated. Um, I wouldn't want to be the guy who has to keep track of that. You know, and there might you might have to have several guys to keep track of that. And like it's just gonna be tough to control, right? Is it gonna be in game or people gonna notice it in game and then there'll be a penalty or like I, I'm not sure how this is gonna work. So just because of that, I don't really like it. Well, and that's just it too. Like also at what point do you know you're safe like will this only affect the end of games? Because how would you know if you're gonna be safe? Oh, okay, we've we've played one quarter and we've had I don't know, let's say 40 snaps. So we're going to get, okay, if we extrapolate that out, maybe we're going to get 160 in this game. So this guy can play, he needs to play less than 80 snaps. So we'll get him in for 75 and that should be good. But, oh, we only, like, it, it just seems like, first off, I don't think it's going to affect that. Like, how many players on each team are, are, are is this going to, because I believe it's, uh, they have to be in the league for five years and on the team for three but how many players, how many American players on each team will that affect that aren't already starters? Like Simone Lawrence is a great example of of the naturalized American, but he's starting. Like maybe it extends his career, but I mean that team season like a guy that once once he falls off, he's going to retire anyway. He's not going to hang around to be a special teams and a backup guy. Like how many players will this actually affect on every team's roster anyway? That that's part of the reason why I think this just doesn't. Like if you want to do this, you want to make naturalized Americans a spot, then okay. Seven Canadians or eat, drop the fine. If you have to drop the ratio, drop the ratio to six Canadians and then have these two spots where there's just these are these are the spots that you have to fill with with Americans who have been in the league longer. Like if your whole point is to keep players in cities longer or keep veteran Americans in the game longer, then do it that way. This whole 49 percent thing, it's just it's just dumb as far as I'm concerned, it's just dumb. With reducing the ratio, that's just a minimum, right? Like they. We see a lot of teams playing over the ratio, over seven players, right? Like eight, nine, sometimes even ten Canadians on on a team. So I believe uh, the Ottawa Red Blacks in the Grey Cup they won started ten Canadians against the Stampede. Uh, I think I remember that. Yeah. And spoiler alert for later in the episode, from what I've seen at Ticats training camp, they're going to start more than seven Canadians this year. Like I get the the <clears throat> the Canadian players not wanting any reduction in the ratio, but. It doesn't necessarily mean that there's going to be less Canadians on the field. And I was thinking, like, how are these Canadians making it to the NFL? Like, don't the American coaches just look at them and go, are they Canadian in the trash? Like, why Why is the bias just in Canada? Like, you'd think it'd be the same in the NFL, right? Like, how do these guys even get a sniff? I, You know what? I'd never even thought of that. That's a good point. I, I think maybe the difference there is they bring guys in and they don't even look at passports. Like, you know what I mean? Like Because they don't have to. Cause, yeah, exactly, because it's, it's yeah. not a thing. Like It's not like they have to worry about it. And we're going to get into the topic of ratios in other leagues in a second. I do want to – I just got one more point to make about this because, you know, there's obviously this rule has – there's been a lot of back and forth about it. My issue is less with this hurting Canadian players and more with how it could potentially turn off future fans. 
And I know that that might sound silly on the surface, but hear me out here. I, I do think that the games that have fewer rules is therefore easier for people to get into and want to sample your product. And I think having a bunch of needless rules like this one makes it harder for new fans to engage with the product. And then those fans don't understand what's going on. That makes them feel stupid. No one wants to feel stupid. So they'll just go, eh, not my, it, it's, it's too hard to understand. I'm moving on. Maybe, I, right. maybe, maybe I'm wrong. Like maybe that, that, that's just me, but like, that's one of the reasons why I just think this is, this is completely pointless. Cause the, the two reasons are, I don't think it will make the product any better because I don't think having guys who have hung around the, the league for a while play a little bit less than half the starting snaps is going to really make a big change. But I also think it could unknowingly do more harm than good when it comes to growing the league. That's fair enough. And I, I just, I just don't think the casual fan who's watching the CFO for the, I, like, how would you know? Like the 49%, like you I wouldn't mean, know, right? You probably, like you, most- prob- you probably wouldn't. You're right. But like me, me, what if there's a guy that comes on and makes a really, one of, what if these, one of these 49 percenters comes on, makes a hell of a play. And then it's like, oh man, that guy's really good. And then it's like, well, hold on. Why is he not on the field? I don't know. Maybe football is different because there's a lot of like changes and stuff. And maybe I'm, maybe I'm thinking too much into this and I'll, I'll give you that. It just, the, the first thing that always comes to mind when it comes to rule changes is, will this allow people easier access to the game? Because what's the most popular sport in the world? It's soccer. What's the easiest? Why is it soccer? Soccer is the easiest thing to follow. Take the ball, kick it in the net. That's it. That's the game. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, with fo- yeah I get football's, football's already complex enough. Like, football has probably the most rules of any sport. So it's already hard to, like, kind of get into as a new fan. I think you add some of these unnecessary layers and you're probably right i i maybe i'm th- again like i said maybe i'm thinking too much into this you're probably right in that people won't even notice this is happening but what about those casual fans and newcomers who are sitting next to someone who does know what they're talking about who's been a fan for 30 years who wants to get them into the game and then all of a sudden it's like wait yeah there's this and there's that and there's nah forget it i'm you know what thanks for inviting me but uh, this will be the only one i come to i just that's my only worry here is it's all this is all talk about growing the game making the game better and i think rules like this make it harder for people to engage with the game that's a fair point but i i'd worry more about <clears throat> you know two and out punt two and out punt for uh, sure turning turning away fans than for sure you know some 49 percent rule that i don't think anyone's gonna notice like most casual fans don't even know there's a ratio that's like, true. They, I talked. I talked to people who thought it was all Canadian players. I talked to people who thought it was all American players. Like it's just not very well known among the casual sports fan. No, that that's a fair point too. I've talked to people who follow the game pretty, pretty intently, and who were like, "Wait, that guy wasn't Canadian. Wait, that guy is." Like they don't even know. So mm-hmm. yeah, maybe maybe this is just us because we dig into the minutia of this stuff because we're we're part of the hardcore fan base. That that's why we think of these things. But maybe it's just us thinking too much. Uh, okay, moving on. Before we get off the topic of like the CB and everything, I do want to discuss one thing that kind of has sprung up during all of this. So I'm going to go on a bit of a rant here, Mike, and I'll give you, I'll, I'll let you say your piece at the end, but just let, let me go on this one. All right. This is something I, I feel shouldn't need to be said, but apparently there are a lot of idiots out there who like to shoot their mouths off without having any facts to back up their opinions. I'll say it now. I hope this is the last time I have to say it, but it probably won't be. The Canadian Football League is not the only professional sports league in the world that has a national ratio for players. If your sports league is not based in the United States, almost every other pro sports league has a rule requiring teams to roster a certain numbers of players from that country. The English Premier League has a roster rule that requires teams to carry a certain number of British players. The Japanese Baseball League, universally considered the second best baseball league in the world, much like the CFL is the second best football league in the world, allows for just four imports on their entire roster. 
The second best pro hockey league in the world, the KHL, allows for just five foreign players. Brazilian soccer leagues only allow teams to carry five non-Brazilian players on the roster. The idea that the ratio is a CFL thing is absolute nonsense, and it's just simply not true. Derek Taylor used to work for TSN. Now he's the voice of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. He had a great Twitter thread breaking all this down. So if you're one of those anti-ratio people listening to the show and you think that you know the ratio makes the CFL look Bush League or whatever, go look up DT what DT posted and see what he had to say. So I just want people to, who you know like to shoot their mouth off before they're talking about the ratio and how it makes the CFL look bad, just do some damn research. Look up how almost every other league around the world does it. Okay, that's it. End of rant. Mike, I've said my piece. If you have anything you'd like to say about this, the floor is yours. If not, we can move on to talking about training camp. Well, I think this is just another case of living right beside the United States of America, right? Because they, sure. everyone looks at the, the, the leagues down south. There's no ratio there. And, you know, a lot of people is like United States and there's no other leagues, you know, beyond that. You know, the CFL, obviously, because we live in Canada. But like you know, European leagues, Japanese leagues, those like those they don't, ex- don't they exist. They don't exist. Yeah, yeah, to some people. So I think that's that's where they're coming from, even though they're like terribly wrong. But it, it'd be good for them to just open their eyes to um, things that are outside of the United States, you know, because it's not everything isn't based on how the United States does it. Do you think hockey might be more popular if there were more American players playing as opposed to Canadians and Russians and Swedes and Finnish people? You know what I mean? Like, like in hockey- America? Yeah, in America. Like in Canada, I wouldn't matter. Around the world wouldn't matter. But do you think maybe if there were more recognizable American stars, maybe hockey wouldn't be fourth or fifth on the pecking order down there? Possibly. Um, I mean, that it wouldn't hurt. You know what I mean? But I, I just think that hockey is just so low on the totem pole in the States too, that it, too it'll far, be too far gone. And they have their strong markets, don't get me wrong, but overall, um, hockey's not that popular in the States. Yeah, that's true. I just It's just funny that the one sport that's not predominantly dominated by uh, star American players is the one sport that's had the hardest time finding a consistent, yeah, lucrative foothold. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, the friggin', what, Arizona Coyotes, Phoenix Coyotes, whatever they're called now, they have to move into a uh, an arena for the, the, at the university of Arizona, like Arizona state university and play in front of like 8,000 people. Like imagine what football fans, the anti CFL fans would say if there was a CFL team that played in a stadium that had, that they, if they, they get a team out East, but they got to play at the university of Moncton that seats 5,000 people. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like, look, the CFL, you could, there's, there's things wrong with the CFL and I will, and you will, and we will call those things out. But the ratio, not one of those things. I'm, I'm, stop, like you said, stop looking at just the states. Open your mm-hmm. eyes to what's around the world, and maybe you'll learn a thing or two. All right, you ready to move on to training camp talk? Yes, yeah, very much so. All right, so if you listen to the latest episode of Tie Cats and Ten that I recorded and posted on Wednesday, you will know that I was able to attend the first four days of Hamilton Tiger Cats training camp. I gave kind of a brief rundown of the things I saw, so I suggest you check that out if you want to more. Uh, thorough kind of look at at what what happened those four days while i was there i don't want to tread on that same terrain here because it's just doing the same thing over and over again so i figured what i would do is i would let you mike kind of be the audience here maybe sort of a secondary pod ski mailbag but more you and i and you can ask me some questions anything you had that you would have liked to have learned about tie cats training camp um mm-hmm. and i'll do my best to answer if if i can and i'll i'll give you 
the 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 dirt that I saw when I was there. So Mike Housen, very nice, very evil. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. What do you want to know? I want to know about the offensive line, Josh. And of anyone who listens to Podski Wee Wee knows that I am an offensive line freak. So who has been, you know, in the first team on the first team for at the uh, left tackle? I just want to know that. Left tackle? Travis Vorncall yes. has been the the entire time I was there, whenever they did one-on-one drills, whenever they did uh, 12-on-12 drills, Travis Vorncall, holdover from last year, started three games. I believe he was the starting left tackle in the semifinal. He was the starting left tackle for the Ticats. Who I didn't hate last year. You know, he um, he came in after Okafor, I believe, and uh, yep. he looked a lot better than Okafor did. Um, but who, who – so we know left guard is Revenberg, right? Yep. I mean, that's not even a question. Nope. Uh, center, who we got at center? So for the majority of the time I was there, it was Coulter with Manzi, but he got hurt, I believe. I was there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think he got hurt midway or near the end of Saturday's camp session. And then he was on crutches with his knee wrapped on Sunday. But I have been told from people who have been there during the week that I, uh, he was, yeah, he was off crutches. And uh, I think he still had his knee wrapped. He was still in civvies, but he's off the crutches at least. So it might not be too kind of serious an injury. Mm-hmm. He, but he was the starter for most of it. Once he went down, Alex Fontana, who they brought over from the Red Blacks, took a spot. So Woodman was the starting center. That's interesting because I thought maybe, you know, I think the presumption was among a lot of Ticat fans and media that uh, Fontana would be, um, you know, first up for that center job. But it's oh, interesting that Woodman is in there. We'll we'll get into what some of the media thought of the right. Ticats starting lineup. Yeah, uh, yeah, wasn't uh, wasn't all that good. Okay, what else you got? The right guard, uh, Jesse Gibbon, or yeah, right guard was Jesse Gibbon. So when Manzi was the right guard last year, mm-hmm. Gibbon was the now obviously, and you're gonna have to obviously ask me about right tackle. Kyle Saxley was right tackle. I'll beat you to it. But here's the thing that we kind of have to talk about with this is that Chris Van Zyl not participating is kind of the monkey wrench here if van zyle's there Saxlet's obviously not at right tackle does that mean he moves to right guard or does he move out to left tackle so there's still some this is what we saw based on what we have and we also know that van zyle has been injured uh quite a bit over the last couple of seasons so it might not be i mean last year he didn't play in the first like two or three games if i don't if i'm not mistaken i think he missed some time also during the year so maybe this is the lineup so it's hard to kind of piece together an entire starting lineup right now right. Because the Van Zyl in, in injury kind of throws a monkey wrench in everything, but that's the that's the line that I saw when I was there. So if uh, if there is indeed a game tomorrow, not tomorrow on Saturday, I would guess that that would be the starting starting five that you'll see on on Saturday against the Owls. I love it. Love knowing this stuff, Josh. Love it. Okay. Right. What else? So we got the offensive line done with. Now let's talk about Jagger Davis's old spot. Who has been getting the reps at defensive end? Almost entirely Mason Bennett. Okay. The the Canadian. So the Canadian, I mentioned yeah. I mentioned earlier that the Ticats are it looks like they're gonna start more than the seven required Canadians. And that's because if you listen to the offensive lineman I named, four Canadians starting on the offensive line, they've almost all the time ran with at least two Canadian receivers. So there's six. Tunde Delicase is starting safety, and Mason Bennett has been Pretty much the entire time, the number one defensive end in, in Gary Davis' spot. The line is exactly as you thought it would be, with the exception of Bennett, obviously. It's been Micah Johnson, Dylan Wynn, and Julian Hauser. Although, 
Another piece of news for everyone. Hauser got hurt on the first day and hasn't been out there since. I think he may have come back today. I think I got word from someone that was there today that he had pads on, but he might not have been participating in team drills. So that's kind of good because it was a leg injury. A lot of leg injuries with the Ticats in training camp so far, um, at least that I saw. So Hauser's going to be in there. When Hauser wasn't in there, it was Malik Carney, but it was it was Mason Bennett almost every single time whenever they did first team stuff. And what about Big Teddy? Teddy was running with the twos, but I mm-hmm. think I generally genuinely believe that they're going to do a rotation with these guys. I yeah. think you're going to, I, especially if, if like, I think what's going to happen is Bennett's going to start. They're going to bring out Bennett and maybe bring out a guy like Carney or bring out one of the, one of the newcomers. There's a, a couple guys that have looked fairly decent. Uh, Trey Crawford is a guy that I think we can keep an eye on and someone I think we could look at in the game on Saturday. Uh, and so I think when, if they were to bring up, bring, take Bennett off the field, they would bring out either Micah Johnson or Dylan Wynn. I would think more Micah Johnson, because I think Dylan Wynn's got, no, this, and this is not a slight on Micah Johnson. I think Dylan Wynn's got the bigger motor. I think you could see Bennett come off the field with Micah Johnson and then be replaced with Teddy and one of the American defensive ends. Um, also just, this is just a side note. Micah Johnson is a huge human being. Like yeah. I, I knew he was big. I didn't realize how big he was until you see him up close. Like he looks huge without, like he's got arms on him the size of my legs. It is, I think he's, I, he's a guy that I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to do in this defense. I think he's going to be absolutely phenomenal. That's, that sounds all good on the, along the defensive line. Uh, now we know the linebackers, obviously Simone's going to be the weak side and Santos will be the middle linebacker, but uh, who they got playing the strong side. Cam Kelly. Cam almost, Kelly. Almost the entire time. Alden Darby's mixed in a little bit there, but Darby's been more in the secondary than he's been at Sam. It's It's been Kelly. And and I, we talked about it, I think it was the last episode, because that was one of those questions we had about Camp. Who's going to, who's going to out of that secondary and, and the same linebacking spot, who's going to be the odd man out? It looks like our belief that Cam Kelly was as good as he was last year is shared by the coaching staff, because he has taken the majority of first team reps with the, at, at the same linebacker position with the linebackers. Yeah, and we talked about, you know, the Great Cup game. He had two interceptions. He could have, yep. you know, if the Ticats pull out that victory, he could have been MVP. the uh, MVP of the game. Yeah, so sure. um, that I, I like that. I like that news that he is getting a chance to be the that, that linebacker in that position again. And he's, um, looked, and he's looked really good. Like, And this is the thing. Okay. I, I assume you're, you're going to want to talk about the secondary in a second. Mm-hmm. But they've, they've all looked. There's been some – one player in particular, when we talk about the secondary, that I'll tell you that as – pleasantly surprised me with how good he's been but the entire secondary including kelly have been outstanding okay well let's just jump into the secondary then what have you noticed about the starters about the second team guys um who do you think is going to be the five guys in the secondary so this is hard to predict too because Cario brooks has been out with an injury for most of camp as well when he was in there the guy that wasn't starting was surprisingly alden darby darby was mm-hmm running with the second team as one of the corners, or he was running with the second team at the same linebacking spot. Once Brooks went out and wasn't able to be in there for team drills, it was Jamal Roll at boundary corner with Darby at boundary half. Tunde was the starting safety. And then you had Richard Leonard at field halfback and Siante Evans at field corner. And it's Richard Leonard who has stood out to me the most. I thought he didn't have a great year in Calgary last year, quite honestly. So I was, I thought, and I think we even talked about it last, last episode, he was going to be the guy that might be cut, might not make the team, but he has been outstanding. I've seen him in one-on-one drills against receivers 
blanket them in team drills. He he's ha- he had a couple near interceptions, a couple pass breakups. He's been that 2017-2018 all-star version of Richard Leonard that we got used to. It's almost as if coming back to Hamilton has rejuvenated him. He has been outstanding in secondary and would probably be – he would be neck and neck with probably Alden Darby as, if there was such a thing, my defensive training camp MVP. Okay, well, that's interesting. You know, it's uh, there's so many good players in that secondary that it's going to be a battle and someone's going to be left out. But, uh, you know, we're going to have some great depth, I'd say. But yep. um, did, did you notice anything with the, with the receivers? Are they – do you think they're going to start two Canadians at receiver or you think it's going to be four and one injuries will dictate this, but I think they're going to start two. day one, which which surprised me. It was Lamar Durant and Tyler Ternowski, who that's another guy that I want to shout out because I thought he had had an excellent camp. Unfortunately, he also got hurt on, I believe it, it was, it was, it was Sunday. He got hurt. I saw him come off the field. He was holding kind of his collarbone shoulder area. And then I was told on Monday that he came out in a sling I was, however, told that today he was out of the sling, but he was still in street clothes. So he might be a little bit, he probably won't play on Saturday. And who knows if he'll be ready in time for the start of the regular season. But he he was excellent. And then a lot of it, it there were, then there was some times when it was Durant and David Ungerer. And then there were some times when it was Ungerer and Ternowski. Like it's, it's with those three guys, it's been kind of a rotation. So I do think that they're going to start two Canadian receivers. And the Americans are Braylon Addison, obviously, who any fears that people had about Addison being out of shape or or had lost a step, put those fears to rest. He's He's been him. Uh, Dunbar has been excellent. Stephen Dunbar has been excellent as the boundary wide receiver. He, he made a couple of nice one-handed catches. He's done some great stuff in one-on-one drills. And the star of camp, in my opinion, Tim White. Tim White is going to have a massive season. He's got big shoes to fill. He's, he's, from what I saw, filling in for Speedy B's old spot. But my God, that speed is second to none. He's catching everything thrown his way. I mentioned Leonard being my defensive MVP. My MVP of the entire training camp so far has been Tim White. I, If there's a good number out there on him to lead the league in receiving yards, might be worth putting some money down. I think he's going to have a, if he stays healthy, of course, it's all predicated on health. He's going to have a huge year. And he, sir, was your pick amongst the second-year receivers to break out this year. So from what I saw at training camp, that's a good pick by you, sir. Yeah, I love me some Timmy White. He just really impressed me last year. And don't get me wrong, I like Dunbar too. But I just think Tim White is the better overall player. Um, the, like you mentioned, his speed. It's uh, just thinking about it is uh, making me excited for the season. But uh, I think that's about it for the questions that I have about training camp, but uh, it's great to hear some, you know, some inside information from a guy who's actually been there. So uh, we thank you for being at practice all those well, days. Well, I was, I was happy to be there. And this is kind of where I want to move on to before we get into the actual Podski mailbag. And that is something that we saw on Twitter over the weekend. And it was the CFL putting out a tie cat step chart. And this is why, I think it's so important for us to have people actually there reporting on this stuff. I don't know who put this together, but there were a lot of errors on that, on that depth chart. And I think it, we need to talk about it. One of the reasons that I left my old job to take on this larger role at three down was so fans could stop getting outdated or just outright bad information. And again, I, this is not a shot at whoever put that together, 
but there were, especially on the offensive line, like you talked, we talked about the offensive line already, so I won't go too, too deep into this and, and, and spend a lot of time on it. But I mean, for starters, and that maybe this is petty, but they listed Chris Van Zyl as an American. And I know that that's just mm-hmm. someone putting an asterisk where it shouldn't be. But I mean, this was posted by the league itself. You got to think that the people they're getting right who isn't and is an American shouldn't be that hard. Uh, they had Kyle Saxlett at right guard. Obviously, as I said, he's been starting at right tackle. They had Alex Fontana at starting center. Obviously, I said he was with the second team. And they had DeAndre Wesley as the left tackle, and he was second team as well. So none of those were right. I said Saxlett's been working at guard or at tackle. Jesse Gibbons been the right guard. We talked about the other positions as well. And I said, like, the, the Van Zyl industry kind of in, – in injury kind of complicates this. But, I mean, if you're putting out a depth chart at the start of training camp and what you think the Ticats roster is going to look like, it it might be helpful to not get four of the five awesome offensive line positions <laughs> wrong. And the thing is with Van Zyl is, like, I could see it like maybe, a, you know, a, a guy that's young in this league, but he's been in the league for, like, Over a ever. decade. Yeah, he's so, you know, you got to get that right. That's yeah. again, again, it's a small thing, but it's one of those things where it's like – what if you're a new fan and you see this? You see, oh, Asterix means American. Oh, the Ticats are starting two Americans. Nope. No, mm-hmm. they are not. They're starting one American on the offensive line. Uh, what else was there that came up? Uh, most, of the, most of the rest of the offense was, was correct. Like It's not like they had like Dane Evans as the backup or anything. Um, but the Canadian receivers, as I said, it's kind of hard to decide who goes where. They were kind of swapping out everywhere. The defense, they look like they got mostly right, except they had Alden Darby as the starting Sam when the starting Sam has been Cam Kelly. And they had Cario Brooks in there, obviously, which he will be, but that's where Darby was. They had Leonard playing field corner and Evans playing field halfback when that was switched. So again, these are these are small things, but they're things that I think are somewhat important because this is the information that leads to fans going. Like, think about DeAndre Wesley, for example. That's a guy who the league itself, someone from the league itself decided is the Ticat starting left tackle. You go to the game on Saturday and you see Travis Vornkall starting, you're going to go, oh man, Wesley must have had a really bad camp. He's already been demoted from starter to backup when that's not true. He was never the starter. It's always been Vornkall. So it's it's little things like that. That And that's why I think like we need people there. Like yep. we're, if we work off bad information or wrong information, then we can't, we can't disseminate that information correctly. And then fans don't know what's going on. And, and in my opinion, I think the, the best fan base is a, properly informed fan base and the hope is that myself and this show and the tie cats and 10 show that, I, that i've started that we can fill in those gaps in what's going on with the tie cats that have existed since drew edwards stopped covering the team a few years ago so yeah. this is this is the kind of misinformation and again i don't think it was nefarious like i don't think this, no. but but this was but this is what happens when you don't actually know what's going on you make assumptions and from those assumptions fans make assumptions and then we're all kind of left in the dark. We don't know what the hell's going on. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's so important to have people there and we haven't had that for, you know, and I know that Steve Milton um, sporadically is at practices and he gets some information out there, but it's behind a paywall too. So, you know, I know it's not that much, but some people just can't afford any extra. Uh, we're free, baby. Cost. Yeah, we're free. Free, um, free. Yep. Look, the, the inf- I, I will be at practice as often as I can. My role with the site doesn't allow me to go there every single day, but I'm going to try to make it to training, other training camp practices and practices during the season as often as I can. I mean, if I can figure out, out a way to run the site remotely while at Tim Hortons Field, I mean, it's hard to do it at McMaster because their Wi-Fi, is, I mean, in the stadium doesn't exist. 
But hmm. at Tim Hortons Field, there's internal Wi-Fi, so maybe it'll be a little bit easier for me to set up shop down there. But my hope is to to get this information out to people because I think I think us fans knowing, and I consider myself a fan. I, I yes, I you know I have a job working in the industry, but I still consider myself at heart a fan of the league. Knowing this information, I think makes for better fans. Whether you're a Ticats mm-hmm. fan, you're a fan of another team. I think getting the right information, I think it'll allow people to be more informed on the product and make better decisions with what, like you know, if they want to gamble or what have you. But you know what I mean? Like I just think that, ha- like I don't think that these things should be secretive. Let's get the information out there, and I think fans will be better off for it. But that's just my two cents. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, you know, something just popped in my head when you mentioned gambling. There, I know that there's been a lot of you know, the, the commercials are like over the top and like, the CFL should do something where they have like a pregame show about betting and then another pregame show about, about the game. just the game, you know? And I think all sports should do that because, you know, a lot of people don't gamble on sports. Nope. They just want to watch the game. So they should kind of try and separate that. I think. Yeah. I, I, I agree with you. I think because gambling's now become so, well, first off, it's become more legal and it's become more ubiquitous. I think no one really knows how to handle it yet. I think you're going to have to give it a couple of a couple of years maybe before this kind of they find the right balance because I'm with you the the commercials on gambling that I see anytime I watch a basketball game or a hockey game, I mean I don't watch much hockey but a baseball game or I'm sure it's going to happen when we watch games on TSN it's just oh my god it it gets it, it's making me who was very happy about this this law and very and I gamble it's making me go, guys, this is this is a little bit much. Like, let's tone it down a touch here, please. Yeah. Yeah, I think that a lot of things would be solved by separating the the gambling, you know, from the normal pregame stuff. But, yeah, so you want to get into the, the, the Twitter questions now, Joe? Let's move on to the Podski mailbag. This is one of my favorite things to do. We did one of these, what was it, last episode? Wait, was mm-hmm. it last episode? Man, yep. are, we that, are we getting that lazy that we need our listeners to give us topics to discuss? No, I'm not. No, no, <laughs> no. We just get so I many think, good questions that yeah. we never have time to answer them all in one show. Well, and you put out, I, we got some more great ones this week. Yeah. And I put out there, you know, before in the off season, you know, what can we do to improve the show? And and fans came back. Some of them said, you know, get some mailbag questions. So that's hey, if they want to do the work doing. for us, I'm all for it. Yeah, exactly. So, so the first okay, one comes so from our buddy. Questions guy. Fire away, buddy. What do we got? All right. First one comes from our buddy, Jimmy V um at canes eagles one glad cfl's back what position do you guys think will be the strongest on our roster okay i have a couple answers here and the last time i had a couple answers i stole your answer so i'll actually let you answer this one first and then i can pick from there which because if unless you don't pick both of mine then i'll go with those but if you do then i'll go with the other one so what let's start with you you can answer this one first yeah i'd have to go with the secondary um, and I know that's the obvious choice, but it's just there's just too much talent there to ignore that position group. Um, there's just a bunch of studs in the secondary, and uh, I think that that is going to be your strongest suit this season. That's I literally have written down here. The answer to this one is easy, and it's the defensive backs because yeah. they're loaded. They're absolutely loaded. There are all stars. There's going to be an all star caliber player who doesn't start, and that to me is just absolutely nuts. So I'm going to go with another group because you pick DBs. I'm going to go with receivers. I think the receiving group is going to be really, really strong. I mentioned Tim White and Braylon Addison and Stephen Dunbar already. I mentioned the Canadians, uh, Tyler Tronowski, Lamar Durant. Tronowski has been, like I said, especially impressive. But two other younger guys that I think have uh, have impressed Canadian-wise, Tyler Turner and Keandre Smith. 
So Turner was a assi- was a signee as an undrafted free agent, and Smith was one of the team's draft picks. Both guys have they don't, haven't got a lot of work, but when I've seen them, they didn't look out of place. And I don't think they can be starters, but if they can contribute on special teams, whether in the return game, like Smith is really fast, like even faster than I thought he'd be, because he mm-hmm. he did do some returning after I did some. Uh, did some work on on after they drafted him, looked at some of his stuff. He did do some returning at Guelph, but he he is a lot faster than I anticipated. So there's a possibility that he could get some work in the return game. And Turner, I think, will if he cracks the team at all, if maybe he's a practice roster guy, maybe he gets cut. I don't know. There's a lot of talented players in this team. I think uh, I think he 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 could, if given a chance, maybe make a, a play here. And Turnowski, like I said, he was the he was a stand up before he heard. And there are a couple of rookie Americans that have stood out to me. Anthony Johnson is a big bodied receiver who has made some really nice plays. And Andrew Boston is a guy who I think if given some time could be a real difference maker at slot back. Uh, Johnson's played more as like the secondary boundary receiver, like that one that doesn't use the waggle, whereas Boston's been in more of the waggle position mm-hmm. and both guys uh, being on the tall side, which I think is nice. I think Hamilton's receiving court kind of needs that. I think both those guys have a chance when we see receivers. I mean, Tim White's a perfect example. Last year, no one knew who Tim White was. And by the end of the season, he finished sixth in the league in receiving yards and was a East division all-star. So it wouldn't surprise me if one of these receivers either, you know, sticks or both these guys sticks on the practice roster or maybe even, yeah, who knows, actually makes the active roster. I I think the receiving group could be, uh, could be very good. Very, very good. Mm, All right. Good to hear. Good to hear. Uh, our next one comes from Tiger Sammy at Tiger Sammy. Who do you think is going to be the most shocking cut from training camp? This is a tough one. Ooh, this is a tough one. So if you would have asked me this before camp started, I would have said one of the defensive backs because of how mm-hmm. many there are. And my pick of those guys would have been Richard Leonard. But like I said, Leonard has looked friggin' awesome. And I honestly wouldn't be surprised if he's in the mix for a divisional all-star nomination this year. My next choice would have been Alex Fontana because of what I saw with him running with the second unit. He's a guy they brought over in free agency. You sign a guy in free agency, you kind of expect him to start. He hasn't played for 75 years. That's just it too. Like he what was it, 2019 <laughs> he hasn't played since 2019. So he sat yeah. out last year. So there's that. And then it's like, okay, if they're going to keep a developmental, like if they're going to keep other offensive linemen, it's going to be guys that have maybe been here longer, maybe, Fontana's probably making more than guys like Jesse Gibbon or Kay Okafor, so there's the chance that salary cap implications are there. But then when Manzi got hurt, I think it's less likely that that Fontana ends up getting released. You know what I mean? Like there could be some like roster manipulation there. If I'm being perfectly honest, I don't think there will be a shocking cut. I think right. that there's I think there's enough mix. I think there's enough spots for new guys to make the roster. And I think the veterans who are entrenched are too good to actually get released that I don't think there will be one. I mean, would you consider like a Malik Irons or a Desmond Lawrence a shocking cut? Like I mm. wouldn't. Those are backup players because Irons yeah. hasn't looked great when I've seen him. He's He's been a little underwhelming, especially with there's a, another running back, Wes Hills, who was with the team last year but got hurt, but most of the year on the practice roster after he came back. He's actually looked really good and has gotten some time with the with the number one offense kind of spelling in for Don Jackson. And I guess this also plays into the ratio, right? You don't have to worry about bringing in a Sean Thomas Erlington. If you are starting eight Canadians, you can take an American out and bring another American running back in, especially a guy like Hills, who I've also 
fairly certain I've seen working on some special teams units. So if a guy's willing to play special teams, there's a better chance he's going to make the squad. And Desmond Lawrence was put on the injured list with Van Zyl at of camp, hasn't played. He was one of those guys in the mix. He was a younger player. I think he played last year, but he yep. was in the mix at, at DB. With how many good DBs there are, he could be, be cut. But would you consider either of those guys a shocking release to me? Backup guys, when you, when I hear shocking release, I'm thinking guys who were starters at one point. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think, you know, Desmond Lawrence played good with, you know, when he was in there last year. But yeah, I, I wouldn't consider that a shocking um, cut. And I, I'm with you. Like, I just can't see any of the starters um, being let go. I, I just think they're they're too talented. They're too good. They're, you know, they got some really good veterans in there. So I you don't know think that, you they know what will that means? Be. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. We're dead wrong and some massive yeah. names getting cut. Like and Dane weeks. Evans. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're rolling with, we're rolling with Schultz. Schultz. And yeah, Schultz sorry. Schultz. Yeah. Schultz, it's all good. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like that's yeah. just, it. I guess I know that there's always one or two, but I, I don't see it with this roster. Yeah. Neither do I. Um, okay. Our last one comes from Derek. Mappy Derek at Mappy Derek. Uh, who is the most outstanding rookie at training camp? Also a tough question. Uh, so kind of touched on it earlier. Um, the rookie receivers really impressed me. Anthony Johnson, Andrew Boston, Keandre Smith in particular. I've noticed this, that this is hard because it's going to be tough to crack the roster at, at defensive back, but Reggie Cole has made a couple of nice plays. Uh, I don't think he stood out as much as the receivers have, but he's won a couple of one-on-one battles that have made me sitting in the stands watching it kind of like nod my head go, Oh, okay. That's not bad. And Teague leader the global punter kicker that everyone's fallen in love with. He's had some beautiful punts. Like there were three or four kicks in one of the practices that were like long spiral like punts. Like if you were to look at a punt in a video game, that's what it would look like. He's had a couple of those that he just absolutely boomed. He hasn't been entirely consistent with them, but I think he's been more consistently excellent with his distance and placement than the other punters kind of have been. So Again, I if I'm going to say I think I'm going to go with Anthony Johnson, I think he's been the most impressive rookie to me. But there's been a number of guys that have kind of stood out that are going to make for some hard roster questions for this team when cutdowns happen. Now, with that leader guy, the punter, um, he's Australian, right? Yes. No, 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 he's, he, no, he's Irish. OK, OK, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I've noticed with the foreign kicker or the, the kickers that come from Australia or, or overseas, um, they're kind of some of them are low punts that are like you know directional punts. Yep. Is is he booming it or is he? No 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 no. Uh, these these, <clears throat> pardon me. No these are these are going hundreds of feet in the air. These are okay. giant punt. Like no no no. I, yes, there. Don't get me wrong. When he's done some directional punting, it they have been the more kind of. How would you how would you describe them like? Like rugby. Line, like line dri- line drive punts, I guess. Yeah would be yeah. The yeah there has been a few of those when they're doing directional stuff, but when he's at like his own 25 and they're just saying, kick it to the return man, more often than not, they are a lot of hang time, a lot of ability for guys to kind of get into that five yard halo and wait for the guy to, it, they've, they've been impressive. They've been very impressive. Not, not the, I know what you're thinking of. No, there's been ones where they're like higher than I can look. Okay. All right. Good, good, good. I like to hear that. Um, now our last one is. Uh, I thought from you said Jay that Bo- was the last one. I know I picked I picked the wrong, the wrong question. I don't think I sent you that question. I uh, I'm just messing this all up. No, it's good. It's good. J Love 61. Now this is the one that we kind of put, you know, a lid on that we weren't going to talk about it. But 
JLab61 wants to know, what do you think of the likelihood of the league expanding to 10 teams? <laughs> why, do, why do you do this to yourself? <laughs> that's my, you know what, that's, that's my answer. Why do you do this to yourself? My answer is a question. Why yeah, do you like think the, the, the questions we got, you picked this one. Yeah, you know I love the, to torture myself. I, 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 I don't want to talk about it, but I just brought it up. I don't, I don't I want to talk about it, out. but we have to talk about it. Yeah, listen. Uh, not anytime that, soon. That that that's my that's my stance on this for the until there's a stadium being erected mm-hmm. and everything's a go. The likelihood I think is very minimal, but my hope is that we see it one day. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm complete with with you on that. Uh, it would be a dream to get to ten teams, but uh, you got to build that stadium, right? So, and I, I actually. You know, I saw that the soccer team out in Halifax is looking for a stadium, so maybe they can put a bid together because, you know, multi-purpose stadium, I think, would be more acceptable to the Halifax, you know, government to put money into than just, you know, a CFL stadium. So we will see. I I don't have any confidence in it, but um, I got my fingers crossed that in the near future, we will be at 10 teams. And that Halifax team is really popular out there, so... Mm-hmm. If they if they kind of come in together on that, yeah, maybe maybe it's likely. But and then I think the uh, lacrosse team does really well in Halifax too. Yeah, so, well, that's good. Yeah, I, I think I think it'd be supported if they just get a suitable stadium. But that's all. That's all. You're gonna put. Well, I mean, if now. if the Arizona Coyotes can play in a stadium of six thousand people, then I mm-hmm. guess that it's no longer bush league to play in small stadiums anymore. So you can play. There you league. go. Yeah. Um. But yeah, come on, man. Don't don't torture yourself. On this. All right. No more. Never again. Moratorium on on expansion talk until it actually freaking happens. Although I'm sure mm-hmm. there's going to be a mailbag in the next six months where you'll be like, someone asked us about expansion. I'm going to, I'm going to yeah. come back with the same thing. Why do you keep doing this to yourself, buddy? It just yeah. makes you angry. Yeah. Uh, all right, Mike, let us act now. We're going to move on as if this new CBA, which I'm just going to look on Twitter here and see if there's any news. There has not been. So we're still rolling as if, yeah, I'm just going to take a last peek. Uh, okay, the last thing about it, Dave Naylor tweeted out about an hour ago saying, sounds like there's a fair amount of confidence that the tentative CBA will be ratified by the players. So, I don't know, for Mr. Doom and Gloom, that, that's actually a a positive tweet. That's not normal from mm-hmm. him. Usually all of the sky is falling. So, hey, maybe if maybe he's uh, he's onto something in the end, we're going to play football this weekend. So, let's but let's let's work on the assumption that this deal is going to get ratified. We will actually have football games to watch this weekend because, yes, Mike, the CFL season kicks off on Friday. No one cares about that game, though, because that's the Argos and the Red Blacks, and no one who listens to us gives a damn about the Argos and the Red Blacks. They don't want to hear us talk about that. But talk about, and that is Saturday's game between our Ticats and the Montreal Alouettes that will take place at Tim Hortons Field. Unfortunately for you, sir, that game is not scheduled to be broadcast. Send, but I have hopes, fingers crossed, that the Ticats will do what they have done the last five or so years and maybe broadcast that game on their website for fans to watch. I believe that's how you've watched some of the Ticats preseason games. Mm-hmm. Uh, was yep. it Ticats All Access? They sync up the radio broadcast with, I think it's probably just the feed from the Jumbotron. But hey, yeah. it's better than nothing, right? Absolutely. I, I, I hope they do it again this year. They've, they've done it every year for the past you know couple seasons, so I don't see why they wouldn't do it again. I don't see why they wouldn't either. And we maybe they'll that'll be the big announcement tomorrow after this deal gets ratified. They'll say, hey, we're going to broadcast the game. Fingers crossed, because I'd like for you to be able to watch the game. Mm-hmm. If they don't do that, I guess we will be relying on what I saw at the game because I'm going to be obviously there in person with my season tickets for our review next week. But let's pretend for a second that you will actually get to watch this one. So is there anything in particular you are hoping to see? And let me guess, it's the offensive line. Yeah, it's the, it's the O-line. It's, it's the things that I asked you about. The O-line, the, the defensive end position, 
uh, strong side linebacker. Uh, and I want to see, you know, I don't know how much Dane probably won't play a lot, but uh, nice to see how he's doing uh, in a fresh season. Uh, the receivers, basically everything. So I'm just excited, you know, if if this game actually happens, I'm just excited to watch some Tiger Cat football. Yeah, and you know what me- this game means? If that means the CB- CBA was ratified, we've put this behind us for over half a decade, and we can move on to just talking about football. We don't have to talk mm-hmm. about business dealings anymore. I'm, I want to see what the newcomers do. I think this is, we see every preseason guy step up and have big games, and they end up either on the practice roster and, and have to wait for an injury or underperformance, and a guy gets cut to, to show what they can do in a real game. So I'm looking forward to watching what some of these youngsters can do. We I, we talked about all the rookies in the questions and during the training camp stuff. It's those guys. I want to see what Anthony Johnson does when he's going one-on-one with a with an actual DB who's not on his team. Like It'll be, just be nice to see guys play against players that aren't on their own squad and we can actually see guys out there hitting and such. So that's, that's yeah. kind of what I'm looking forward to. I don't know how much Dane's going to play. It's the first preseason game. A lot of times those, especially it is a home game though. So there's, there's, there is that chance that we'll see some of the starters simply because you want to play them in front of the home fans and get the home fans amped up for the start of the regular season. But in the past, the tie cats home game first or home game second hasn't really mattered. That first preseason game has tended to feature a whole lot of not starting players. So guys like Simone never played, Mazzoli didn't play a ton. Speedy didn't play. So maybe that'll hold up this year. But I hope that we see a little bit of of some of the starters just to, you know, knock a little bit of the, the field rust off him, if you know what I mean. And I know that he's uh, just recently signed, but that new kicker they brought in, uh, Leader Oh, the dude, the, the dude from uh, from Texas A&M that cost me a yeah. bunch of money when he hit that field goal against Bama last year. Son of a right. bitch. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm excited to see how he does because, uh, you know, pretty decent numbers at Texas A&M. Not uh, – amazingly good but uh hit on 78 percent of his kicks over five four seasons yeah and we know that you know every season for the past you know since liam howard who left the team it's been a bit of a question mark in the kicking game so i will be keeping a a keen eye on him do you want me to deflate your balloon right now yeah remember taylor bertolette from last year yeah also went to texas a&m Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it's it's obviously just coincidence, but we haven't really had all that much success with uh Aggies kickers up here. So No. We'll see. We'll, we'll see. see. We'll see. They cut they cut Dante Brown uh, a couple days ago to bring in another punter. Which is funny because you, you sent me a text saying, Oh, he just missed one really wide. You did. He, <laughs> the he, other missed, day. he missed a field goal really wide. He shanked a punt like I was hoping that he'd be in the mix because I think I said it on the show last week. They can't run Michael Domagala out there again. I think as much as a kicker will have fans revolting, he would have fans revolting. He's and he also hasn't been spectacular either. If it was up to me, I'd go with this. Like, let's. I mean, we're going to see what he can do in a game, hopefully on Saturday. But if he's even remotely, like, even if he's just five percent, ten percent better than what they already have, get him there. I'm mm-hmm. thinking leaders the punter, and let's go with that as our kicking combination because. Running out Michael Domagala again, I think, is just a recipe for disaster. I don't want the kicking game to be close your eyes and hope for the best for another no, season. No. Let's get some solid guys back there. It sounds like the punter is pretty good, uh, you know, booming punts. And 
And, uh, you know, we'll see if we can get a, a good field goal kicker because we need it. We need it. We need it. We need it. And I'm sick of being scared every time the kicker comes out there. So, yeah. oh, my God, I just checked Twitter and a headline scared the crap out of me. It just said it's not even close. And I was like, oh, no. And I was like, oh, it's it's a Saskatchewan linebacker talking about the fan bases between Calgary and and. Saskatchewan. Uh, oh, okay. geez. I was like, I almost, no. my, my throat, oh my, my heart almost jumped into my throat. So, uh, that's, so I, we're done with the, here, that's what we're going to watch in the game on Saturday if it gets played. Like I said, I just checked Twitter for the last time. No news. It's seven o'clock here in Hamilton now. We're about two hours away from this thing getting settled. So I guess we'll, uh, we just have to cross our fingers and hope for the best. And, uh, you and I will get together next week, talk about, Mm-hmm. Probably won't talk about the CBA if it gets ratified. I don't think we have anything to talk about. Like it's if if everything that we talked about today is how it goes, then we're done talking about it. Move on. But we will get to talk about a football game next week for the first time since uh, I mean a few weeks after the Grey Cup. We took like almost three weeks off after that loss mm-hmm. to Winnipeg. So because I'm an emotional emotional bitch. So that's nah, fine. It's fake. I, 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 <laughs> I was right there with you, buddy. Yeah. I was right there with you. And you know, it's so close to Christmas. Is like why why get depressed when yeah. Santa's about yeah. to true true true. So it'll it'll have been about five months, a little over five months since we talked about an actual football game, and hopefully this all gets settled and we'll be able to talk about that next week. And hopefully the game is broadcast on Ticats.ca, Mike, so you can watch it, and it's not just relying on me for all the content once more. Not that I have right. a problem with that. If you can't watch it, obviously that's just the way it goes, but it would be nice if you were able to actually see the game. You know, and and if I can't, maybe I'll just sit in the backyard and listen to it on the radio. So that, that'd go I mean, old that, school, right? That's just, I mean, that's what we're probably going to have to do for that Argos game because I am not, I'm not, well, first off, I wasn't really, I don't think I was ever going to travel to Guelph for a preseason game, but I did look for tickets and they are sold out. So, I mean, it's, it's at Guelph Stadium. It's only like 4,000 seats. So, it's not like it's, it's, so the Argonauts, you're saying the Argonauts are moving to Guelph then. They sold out <laughs> their stadium. Hey, if, uh, if, like I said, I think it's the third time now, if the Arizona Coyotes can play in a, yeah. you know, that 1500 seat stadium, the, the number goes down every time I say it. <laughs> Uh, then the Argos can play in a 5,000 seat stadium. I, actually, I don't know how much alumni stadium holds. It's not that it's not that many though. I mean, I mean when the Ticats played there, I think with the temporary stands, it was like 13,000 or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll we'll have to wait and see. But yeah, I don't think we're gonna be able to watch that game unless the Argos are so inclined to let the Ticats broadcast that one too. Which I mean, hey, fingers crossed. Hopefully they will. But I'm not I'm not holding my breath on that. So the week after when we talk about the preseason game, we might be relying on radio calls and radio calls only. Uh, but I mean, and then. I know it's the second preseason game. Do we really have to talk about anyway? Because we're going to be talking about the start of the regular season, and we have to do mm-hmm. our our massive Podski preview and make a bunch all our of dumb predictions, predictions for the season. I always look I always look forward to that. Oh yeah, it's one of my favorite shows of the year, just because we look back on it at the end of the year and go, God damn, we buggered mm-hmm. that up. No, mm-hmm. no undefeated predictions for me this year, though. I can promise you that. Okay, so uh, what seventeen and one? <laughs> I will I will be busting out. Save it. Save it. Be busting out the schedule and doing my full. I, I go through each individual game and I predict who's going to win each one at the beginning of the year and uh, usually end up horrendously wrong. I think I had BC last year at like ten and four. So. Well, I picked BC. I think I picked BC to win. No, maybe in second. I think I had Edmonton. So that's. Even I think worse. you had. Edm- I think you had Hamilton yeah. and Edmonton in the Grey Cup, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. So. Did you too, though? I, I want to say that you had Hamilton Edmonton in the Grey Cup as well with Hamilton. Did I, I don't. I might have had Edmonton. I might have had Hamilton in BC. Yeah, you might have. Yeah. Really? Either way, we were both we were both wrong. Well, I mean, they didn't even make the playoffs. Yeah. And Edmonton <laughs> so, was like the worst team I've ever seen in my life. Hey, we got we got we got Hamilton right, and that's all that matters to, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. 
Exactly. Who cares about the West? I, I yeah, you know what? I was gonna I was gonna put a tease for that, but I will uh I'll save my prediction. But it's it's quite possibly not the Ticats coming out of the East for me this year. I know that that's sacrilegious on this show, but I'm leaning towards another squad. So it's one of the other three. You get to decide which one you think of that I'm I'm going towards. But we'll have to see. I'll have to, I'll have to break, bust out everything and see how everything flies before I'm ready to actually make my my official rubber stamp prediction in a couple of weeks. Well, I look forward to it, Josh. All right. Well, that was Pods Kiwi for this week. I'm Josh Smith. And I'm Mike Graham. Eat them raw. Eat them raw. <laughs>